Spencer about the team of Nebraska and Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraph Study, my guest on this edition of Fangraph Study. is the managing editor of the Harbaugh Times, the managing editor of the Harbaugh Times, Paul Swyden. Paul Swyden joins me to provide unfettered promotional commentary regarding uh, the Hardball Times annual publication, ingeniously titled the THT Annual, the Hardball Times Annual. This represents the 12th, 14th, 12th edition of the Hardball Times Annual. I don't know precisely. I don't remember precisely, but Swyden, uh, Swyden mentions the uh, precise run of publication years, the run of publication, uh, in addition to a number of other comments that he makes. But let me be clear. We don't, uh, we do not push, we do not foist this publication and the listeners. Instead, we're just cool dudes. We're just two cool dudes rapping, just rapping about matters. And then, uh, listen, does the Hardball Times, do uh, do we touch upon it occasionally just to let uh, interested listeners know more about that publication, how to buy it, for example? Perhaps we do. Perhaps we do. Uh, but mostly just two guys rapping. Me, Paul Swyden, managing editor of the Hardball Times. Also, the uh, what editor in chief of the in, the annual version of it. Um, that is all. There's no uh, there's no ad today because this whole edition of the program is an ad. So prepare yourself for that. Except for it's an anti ad. It's a it's big in the advertising industry these days. You probably wouldn't know about it. What is it though? It is a uh, fangraph audio. Who does it feature? Paul Swyden, Paul Swyden, managing editor of Hardball Times. When does it begin? Right now. Did you ever have a job troubleshooting? Uh, over the phone? Not over the phone. Yeah. No. I worked for Nintendo for a while, and uh, people would come call from all over this great country and Canada, uh, and they would just tell you the very vaguest, the most vague details about their their uh, Nintendo and also like their television setup, and then you were tasked with a. Uh, with helping to them to uh, repair it over the phone. Awesome. Awesome. What what uh or what system was this around? It would have been after 64. Um so whatever what was the one right after 64, do you suppose? Is that uh That's a good good question. Yeah. GameCube. Uh yeah, I think GameCube oh, was, GameCube. was out. <laughs> And then also uh I think it was like the, there were a bunch of Pokemon games coming out for like the DS or whatever the handheld device was. So Oh sure, that yeah. was long after I had Nintendo stuff. Yeah, yeah, this was uh, this was the year two thousand, so two thousand one. That's a yeah. while ago now. Yeah, I was into PlayStation by then. All right, buddy. Okay. Hey, we're uh, we're about to embark on a, a promotional conversation. We are indeed nakedly, unabashedly promotional. Oh. Hold on, I have a child speaking to me. What, what is the problem? Um, I don't know how to work the TV, man. Come on, use, use this, use this button, okay? Oh, okay. All right. Sorry about that. Were you doing some troubleshooting, Paul? I was doing some <laughs> troubleshooting, some remote control troubleshooting. Okay. Uh, so yeah, let's uh, let's get real, let's get real promotional. Tell tell us the the most basic facts. About uh, about what we're discussing here. Oh well, we're discussing the Hardball Times Baseball Annual 2016, mm-hmm. and it is the 12th edition of the book, and it's the first one that I had uh, full editorial control over. So that's uh, new. 
Mm-hmm. So all complaints should be directed exclusively to you at this point. Yes. All yes. Right. Or David Appleman, since yeah. he uh, hired me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let's see. We have 32 essays and one poem. So it's a it's a larger book than we've had in the past, but not as large as the book we had last year, which was like the send off for Dave Studeman. So we right, right, right. We really made it big last year. So this, you know, it's somewhere in between the normal and what last year's is. Um, yeah, I think that's it for basic facts. All right. Yeah, that's right. So how how long has this book come out? You said was it twelve years? You said. Yeah, this is the twelfth edition. I remember. Buying it, I buying it in a in a. Does it make sense if I bought it in a some sort of larger format? Was there was there a larger version, or was there maybe a preview book that was all that was published in a larger version? Um, I think both. Okay. I think at one time, like the season preview book was definitely in a larger format. I think at one time the annual itself. I know it, it actually at one time the annual itself was in a larger format. We um we've. It's been smaller since we published it on our own now because mm-hmm. the six by nine is just cheaper. Right. The uh, I will remember. Go- I remember going through those. I don't know. Uh, there was a point when I uh, it was hard even to find like batting average and ball and play on the internet. Yes. And it wasn't even yeah. that long ago. No, it wasn't. Relative. It was like six years ago. Yeah. And uh, um, the thing that I always enjoyed about uh, Hardball Times was that they would publish. Um, there was what? There was prop. Do you remember props? It was a predicted OPS, something along those lines. Right. Yep. And there was also like gross, like G, uh, GPA, maybe gross productive average. Yeah, I mean they they used to produce all sorts of cool and basic stats that would um they like you said you just couldn't find anywhere else. We don't need to do that now, so we've evolved. Um, but. You know, the book needs to change to what the times are. Yeah, that's true. Do you? I mean, it, it, and you've been at Fangraphs for a while as well. Mm-hmm. I yep, remember so. uh, probably right around the, the time we both started, there were, uh, uh, you know, there was a sort of uh, boilerplate type post we would do back then, which was uh, expect this guy, guy player X, expect his performance to improve or decline based off of these numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, either his batting average or ball plays low, therefore he'll probably be better. Uh, or alternatively, uh, you know, maybe it was a pitcher who had a low ERA but a higher xFIP, and you would say, well, uh, um, he'll probably be worse. Right. Yeah. What do you, uh, from your from your experience, both as a Fangraphs writer uh, and then also as someone who's been now closely acquainted with the, Har- the, the Harbaugh Times Annual, what do you what do you see? You've, you've, you've observed this. You're reading a lot of a lot of pieces every year, especially as the sort of as the uh, the czar of the Harbaugh Times. Do you, do you notice a um, I guess a sort of um, an evolution in in the, in the way that the analysis is written? Yeah, I think so. I think. That sort of stuff now kind of tends to be in the introduction or in the preamble of a post Mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, the actual meat of the post. We say, hey, you know, we would assume X and Y and the reader can assume along with us. But now let me give you this other piece of of information that I've worked up. Um, So I think, you know, we've definitely 
you know, for our crowd anyway, maybe not for the ESPN insider posts or, or stuff, you know, some of the other more general pieces we do, but definitely for our crowd, we've, we've moved past that. Now, um, I live in a rural area mm-hmm. and, uh, um, I, I have to go to the post office. Uh, uh-huh. so I did that today and I have, I actually have my, uh, my baseball annual right in front of me right here. Oh, cool. Um, unsullied by, well, anyone's hands, I guess, but uh, but your own, right? Maybe or n- and now mine. Um, um But I have even seen I've ha- I've seen certain I've seen references already to pieces in here, and I know uh, in part what exists. I know, for example, uh, Eno Saris. Do you know Eno Saris? I'm familiar with him. Yes. He's a silly person. <laughs> yes. Who's apparently uh, apparently you want to talk about backwards? Uh, how backwards this country is? Eno Saris is allowed to be a parent in it. <laughs> Entirely legal is is what I've been led to believe. Twice, actually. Twice over, right? Yeah, yeah. he reproduced, and then no one said anything. No one reported him, and then uh, he was just allowed to do it again. If you think if the first president, the first candidate to run on the platform of not allowing people like Eno or Eno specifically to reproduce, that gets my vote. But um, he, I, he, I know in this, he addresses uh, some issues regarding command, and I know that he doesn't necessarily reach any hard conclusions. Can you? Uh, I assume you're familiar with this piece. Can you tell me where I to read it, where I to get around to reading it, what I would find uh, Eno talking about, what he would say about command? Uh, well, so the 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 first real debate is how do we measure command? Um, so he talked to a bunch of people and they said... Well, it's not um, walk rate. We can establish that from the beginning, right? It's different than walk rate. It's different than walk rate, yeah. But uh, so the, so he talked to a lot of pitchers and, and coaches and stuff, and what they came to is 3-0 fastballs. So if you can hit the mitt, if you can get it in the, you know, in, in a certain zone, preferably the strike zone, mm-hmm. if you can get a 3-0 fastball in that zone, yeah. then you may have good command. And so, you know, he kind of walks through that and, um, uh, you know, he, he breaks it down by both just the, the strike zone period, but then also the outer half of the strike zone, because even though it's a 3-0 count, you don't want to put it on the inner half of the plate. You know, you don't want to groove a fastball on the inner half of the plate because then a batter might be tempted to swing at it and hit it very far. Um, and so, you know, he kind of works through that, and, and he does so with um, some data that we got exclusively for the book from Sport Vision, um, their their command FX data, um, which was very nice of them. And, um, you know, he, he kind of works his way in through there, and he, you know, he does – he, he has a, a table also about least glove movement, which is something that can apparently be measured now. That's crazy. And, that yeah. Mean, yeah, that shouldn't, I didn't even know. Yeah, I didn't know that was a thing yeah. until I, until he turned this in. Um, and then he also talks about uh, curveball movement, so we're not just focusing on fastball command. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's, it's a really it's a really cool piece. It's um, you, you know, has this, as you, I'm sure, know, you know, has a good way of working in quotes with hard numbers. Yes, I know. And uh, I know that I'm forced to uh, – occasionally I'm struck by uh, the quality of one of his pieces, and I begrudgingly uh, I begrudgingly give it my full professional endorsement. Yes. Uh, despite the fact that the person who wrote it is a, is a silly <laughs> a silly man. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
Well, that's interesting, and I know that he's referenced uh, he's referenced some of those findings before because command is one of those sort of squirrely uh, squirrely issues that uh, defies at least any simple definitions, objective definitions. Uh, well, okay, I, I will look forward to reading that, Paul Swatton. Okay. Uh, and I know who else have I heard reference something? Oh yes, uh, Dave Cameron. I believe he wrote something about the CBA. Does that sound familiar? It is familiar. The collective, the upcoming collective bargaining agreement. Uh, I know for a fact. Then Nathaniel Grow, who I will uh, – I don't know if – has Nathaniel Grow contributed to this? He has not. He has not, no. No, but let me tell you, uh, Nathaniel Grow's uh, – I think he's the breast the – I think he's breast – he's the breast um, – no, he's the best prose writer at uh, at Fangraphs. His prose is is, um, is is tight. It's tight – so tight you could bounce a quarter off of it, Paul Swyden. Yeah, he's a pretty good writer. He's great. But um, he's written about the CBA recently, and um, – um, mm-hmm. Some questions that might be raised about it. What, what does Dave Cameron, what does managing editor Dave Cameron have to contribute on those on those uh, that gr- those grounds? Well, so I don't want to give away too much. No, don't give away. I'm not asking you to reveal yeah. it. People want we want people to buy this. That's the whole point of this episode of the, the podcast. Um, yeah, but but a lot of it has to deal with um, Bam Tech, which is the which is the company that MLB Advanced Media has spun off uh, into its own sort of entity. To control, um, you know, like uh, ancillary uh, media platforms, like that they're doing with the NHL and what they're doing um, with HBO and, and stuff like that. And so a lot of it centers around, um, you know, the, the formation of that company and how it should be treated in through in the prism of the collective bargaining agreement negotiations that are. I'm going to start happening any day now, I would assume. And uh, yeah, they have. Uh, an, an, I don't know. I know you don't want to give too much away, but um, it, I guess what is there some question about who's going to get all the money? Well, right. So I mean, the 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 big problem that the players have is that they've been getting a smaller and smaller piece of the pie, even even as their salaries are expanding, just because the revenue coming into the game has just outstripped. Salary growth, um, and with players, as Dave's written in the past, players have decided to take guaranteed years over trying to push the salary ceiling higher and higher. They've looked for the more, you know, uh, more security in right. terms of years in, instead of dollars. Um, so, so now we've kind of reached we've kind of reached an impasse as to how much percent of the revenue the players are getting. So um, this is going to play into that in a big way because if Major League Baseball is making these billions of dollars off this NHL deal and, and off their other business, you know, regular business deals that don't have anything to do with baseball, um, that's that's probably money the players want to get their hands on. The question is, is it, do they have a right to? So. Yeah, well, I guess, uh, right, that's maybe one of those things. On the one hand, you could argue these things objectively. On the other hand, uh, we have two groups of people, right? Uh, So there's no sort of, uh, there's no sort of objectively right answer. It's, uh, I suppose that's, that's why negotiations exist. Absolutely. Um, And uh, and throw into the mix a new commissioner, not that he hasn't been in the room before, but throw in a new commissioner and throw in, a new union head, and uh, it could get divisive. Well, I know that, uh, speaking of that new commissioner, I know that um, um, 
left lefty communist Jack Moore uh, has contributed to peace. <laughs> yeah. Damn communist Jack Moore uh, has contributed to peace to the annual uh, little Jackie Moore. And mm-hmm. uh, I see that he has written he's written about that commissioner in a sort of review of uh, the uh, the first year for Rob Manfred. Is there uh, um, what, does he does he bring his damn communist values uh, to his assessment of the of the commissioner? Um, sort of, uh, you know, I mean, it's hard for, we don't ask Jack to take that sensibility away <laughs> from his pieces, um, <laughs> because he has a very, uh, well-honed viewpoint on, uh, on business and on the world. And yeah. And he also like has him. a sickle and hammer tattoo. A lot of people don't know that. Uh, yep. That breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't, we don't ask him to, uh, you know. Uh, bury down who he is, mm-hmm. and that's fine. Um, but no, he does. He does a pretty fair and balanced review. It's it's based. Um, it, it springs from an interview that Manfred gave with ESPN's Jerry Krasnick um, before the season, where he identified five points of of what he wanted to accomplish, if not in year one, it, but in you know at least build on those in year one. Uh, and so Jack goes through those point by point to um, to make his case for for uh, whether Man- Rob Manfred did a good job or not this year. Okay. The uh, I, there are a couple of pieces uh, with regard to to prospecting. Uh, one of them was authored uh, by our uh, recently departed erstwhile. I think we can call him an erstwhile lead prospect analyst, Kyla McDaniel, now a member of the yep. uh, of Atlanta's front office. Yep. And I, I think you, you mentioned in the introduction, yeah, that uh, Kylie was hired before he had the opportunity to finish the piece, uh, and he consented to finish it anyway. Yeah, I mean, he was mostly done. Yeah. But uh, I'm assuming he was going through the interview process while he was writing the meat of the article. So mm-hmm. that had to have been uh, a bit of a struggle for him because I, I wouldn't have been able to concentrate on writing uh, such a quality piece while I was – uh, possibly changing careers. So. Who's uh who 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 was uh, who who got you articles in the timeliest and least timely fashions? Uh, well, I'm I'm sure you can guess who got me articles in the least timely fashion. Well, this is it was I wasn't last though, was I? No, you weren't last. Yeah, no, but you're, you're certainly bringing up the rear. Um, <laughs> you know, the history articles aside from yours, the yeah. history articles tend to come in earliest. Um, so I would say Adam Dorhauer, I think, was the very first person because we had talked about his piece back in like. Well, it, to be fair, he's writing about the 1904 World Series. He could have he could have written this over a hundred years ago. That's true. You know, it could have been sitting. It could have been sitting on his Apple IIe e, yep. and uh, just left unpublished, and he would have really not had to change uh, a word. Yep. Yeah. No, so that's, that's an unfair true. advantage, Dorhauer. Yep. And the same with Frank Jackson. Frank Jackson's piece was about uh, Sandy Koufax's uh, last regular season start. Uh, Which happened, o- I'm sure it happened over 50 years ago, right? Or roughly 50 yeah. years, yeah. Yeah, it was in the 60s. Yeah. So I think it was 1966. Uh, yeah, he, so. wrote, he wrote that uh, just in pen and ink, or pen yep. and paper, when he was uh, a, a young man. Yep. Yeah, just transcribed it for this. Um. So, yeah, so so the history pieces definitely tend to come in first. Um, I think Shane Tortolotti, I, I really don't know how you say his last name, and I feel bad because he's been writing for us for so long. Well, it's uh, uh, yeah, well, that we, there is sometimes we don't meet these folks, but um, 
<clears throat> it depends if you think he is an Italian person or if he's an Italian person with an anglicized name or if you think he's a French person, right? Yeah. But yeah. let's say he's an Italian-Italian yeah. person, although there are a lot of Italians named Shane. I'll be honest with you there. But let's call him Tortolotti because I'm sure at least one of his uh, ancestors was called that. Okay. Yeah. That works. Um, John Pascal turns his in early every year, but his he also has an unfair advantage in that he's writing his piece throughout the year mm-hmm. um, as funny things happen. Um, and then uh, I think Chris Mitchell turned his in fairly early. Chris Mitchell and David Kagan turned theirs in favorite early for analysis. But the uh, the analysis pieces, um, no matter when they're turned in, I always have to go back and, and talk to the authors a few times because a lot of it goes over my simple head. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, it doesn't really matter when they turn them in. I'm always going to have questions for them. I think uh, MGL's piece, we traded like a dozen emails. That's it's Mitchell just, Lichtman. Yes. The thing <laughs> about Mitchell. trying to explain it to me. So. Yeah. And it, you know, the thing is, he's so even handed and understanding of other people's flaws <laughs> that it's, <laughs> I'm sure it's a delight. You know, but, it, it, he's actually the nicest guy in person. I've, I've met him a couple of times and he's, he's really just, Sweetheart. So there, there was a uh, there's a bit of a division you'd say between maybe his online and uh, persona and his uh, his actual person his actual persona his real human persona. I don't know. I don't that, know. That was, yes, that was my observation. When you meet him as a human in person, all right. Uh, I'm glad you brought up Chris Mitchell because that was the other uh, sort of prospect piece that, uh, upon which I was touching before with. Um, before bringing up Kylie's piece. And Mitchell's done some really cool things. Actually, he did a really cool thing just this past week, which was to, uh, well, he, 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 re- he released his primer, 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 mm-hmm. primer. He released his primer, uh, on the new and improved Cato last week and, uh, this week, uh, published, uh, the top 100 prospects for 2016, uh, according to Cato and, of course, according mostly to 2015 stats, it should be noted. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, he's been working on these sort of problems for a while now, the the way that minor league and perhaps even amateur stats, uh, the way the, to what degree they can be predictive of major league performance, and you know that's a question other people have asked. He's he, he's doing a deep dive. Yeah, for sure. And, and it, uh, I think his my guess is his piece here, uh, at some level, is sort of contributing to the background of that work we see with Cato on the site now. Yes, absolutely, and that was. You know, that was something I, I encouraged him to do is, is to, you know, to work this stuff into his next, you know, iteration, which he, he's now done. Um, and so it's, it's a really fun read because it's, it's one of those questions that we always ask ourselves, you know, just because it like, does it matter, you know, if you come from a place like Massachusetts or New Hampshire where we are, uh, does that really put you at a huge disadvantage? And, and uh, so it was fun to see him explore that. And uh, we actually, we actually did, we did go back and forth on this a little bit because um, at first he did, he did it by uh, birth location. And I said, well, like for instance, I know my son was born in Colorado, but now he lives in Massachusetts. That's a pretty big swing. Oh yeah, right. Um, I was like, can you do it by high school too? And uh, and he said he would. So that was um, that was very helpful. I thought. Well, what if you're, what if you happen to move back to Colorado, your son will go to high school and therefore all this time he spent in the Boston area will be entirely negated objectively. Yeah, it would. Yeah. We'll mm. have to see what happens. Dark thoughts. 
Dark thoughts indeed. Uh, no, I've been enjoying uh, Chris Mitchell's work as of late. You mentioned that there was some uh, some data that Eno used, the, the sort of uh, command, uh, the command FX. I guess is that, is that a Sport Vision product? Does that sound right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else along the line? I mean, how do you arrange that, or is there anything else along the lines of that sort of, uh, I guess, what you might call, um, what's the word for that? Proprietary. Proprietary. Proprietary, yeah, or previously unreleased. Um, no, Eno did that all on his own. I, I honestly, like he said he was going to do it and I was like, cool, go ahead. That, that'd be awesome. Uh, Neil Weinberg did a similar thing. He had made a request to the folks at MLB Advanced Media to get some data, some StatCast data on catcher pop times. And they were nice enough to grant that request. They record so, that too at StatCast? Yeah. Wow. It's, um, it's not a complete set of data, mm-hmm. um, but, what we what we have or what they gave to him um, is uh, is as representative of the season as Statcast could provide. So I guess you know they weren't re- able to record everything this year, being year one. Yeah. Um, but it, it's still a pretty robust set of data, and you know came to some some interesting conclusions based off of it. You know, I I would also bet. Um, I don't know if there's been research done. I would bet that pop times are the sort of thing. Um, that uh, you don't need a large sample even for a particular player because uh, it's a it's a it's a physical tool in some ways, isn't it? Or right. in many ways, right? Because it's just it's really it's a measurement of how quickly well in, you know it's your arm strength combined with the the speed at which you get the ball out of the glove. Right, and and that was something that he looked at, and uh, you know the other point that he made is it's it's something that we've been measuring or rather scouts have been measuring with a stopwatch for for ages. Mm-hmm. Right, but the the advancement, so to speak, is that now we can have it um, by a by a single time stopwatch. You know that the stopwatch is the same for every ballpark, and that we have a full set of data to do comparisons. It's not just well, the starting catcher on our team has this pop time, and the backup catcher has this pop time. So if we need to control the run game, we should start this guy instead of this guy. Like. You, you can you can look at it across the whole league, which um, I'm sure for the teams that get that data every day is very helpful. Right. Uh, I, one thing I noticed about the uh, I thought well it has an interesting choice uh, the addition this year of a uh, of a centerfold of all the uh, of all the FanGraphs writers in uh, lingerie. Yeah. Well, you know, it was hard to kind of Photoshop that all together, but mm-hmm. it was. Um, I think it was a worthwhile project. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a. Is that a um, a special? Uh, is that a special feature for the first one thousand copies or something along that? Or, or? yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. Yeah, it's only in the first edition printings, yeah. which I believe have been sold out already. Yeah. yeah, I uh, I will say the value of that for me. I don't know how good I look in it, but I did get. Um, it did cause me after I saw the proofs for the image uh, to get some moles removed. Because I thought yeah. some of them were just too big. <laughs> it's important. It's Paul Swyden. Paul Swyden. Take care of your body. Yeah, we're talking to each other. Have you ever had a mole removed, Paul? I have not. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, neither have I. Yeah. My grandfather talks about it quite a bit, though. Does <laughs> he? Yeah, he's 90, so he's, he's in his seen, 90s. He's seen a lot. Yes, he has. He's seen uh, his. He's seen his own moles get removed. <laughs> is there anything I'm neglecting here, Paul? Or is there, we're just having fun together, just two guys having fun together. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I wouldn't say there's anything you're neglecting necessarily, but um, there's definitely a lot of other fun pieces in the book. Um, David Kagan, who writes about physics for us, mm-hmm. uh, broke down just, you know, we, we always say Mickey Mantle hit a 600-foot home run. And so uh, he goes in and he, he, com- he looks at those longest home runs uh, through the prism of physics to say, did he really hit a 600-foot home run? Yeah, not not quite sure about that. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's a lot of fun. I think of uh, a legend, maybe mythology. Mythology. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Owen Watson had a great piece on leverage by um, or velocity by game leverage. Excuse me, uh, to see if pitchers really can go to the well. "Quote unquote." Oh right. If they have, uh, if they can hump up, is that another word yeah. you might use? Yep. Not Absolutely. around kids, but generally you might use it otherwise. Well, no, you can use it around kids because they don't know what you're talking about. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. I've I've learned that as long as the word isn't a swear, you yeah. can you can say it around the children and they don't they don't know. I did get in a little bit of trouble. I have a uh, I have a niece who is uh, has a uh, you know a white European father and. Uh, uh, mother is um, half Peruvian and half Japanese, you know. Okay. And uh, I wasn't really fully aware of that as I was talking to her, and she uh, she was asking me to do magic because sometimes I'll find a quarter in your ear. You ever do that I, trick? I what? don't because I'm not coordinated, but oh, I'm familiar. I'm familiar with that. trick. It works really well on six year olds. And she was like, "Can you can you make more money come out of my ear?" And I was like, "No, if you want to make money from from, you have to become an investment banker." And she said, "How about become an investment banker?" And I said, "Well, first you have to be a you have to be a white man." And then uh, I didn't re- I didn't realize what was happening. And then she kept uh, she was asking very loudly the question, "Carson, are you a white man? Are you a white man?" And uh, it was embarrassing for everyone involved. Her parents did not like it, and I felt bad too because uh, their their little daughter, who's you know mi- mixed race, was just yelling, "Are you a white man?" Uh, so it was awkward. <laughs> Very awkward. I apologize to everyone involved. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I got um, a kick out of it though. What's that? I, I enjoyed it though. Yeah, I think that was a, again, that was, but that was a situation where there were no swears involved and yet maybe not entirely appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the one other piece I would call your attention to, mm-hmm. which, uh, is, is of a prospect nature actually, and I think you'll really enjoy oh. is, um, is Jeff Zimmerman's. Oh, yeah, but, uh, trading prospects or something like this, yeah? Yeah, so what Jeff did, and um, I will tell you if you want to flip in your book. Okay, the, all right, yeah, we'll the, do some directed reading. Yeah, to the to the key page. Oh, i got to get there myself. Oh, great. Um, 251. Yeah, it starts on 251. If you buy a, a physical book, if you buy a Kindle, I have nothing for you. Because um, those are all different... Depending on what version. All right, what are we? You, you're just talking. What are we doing? Am I supposed to look at something? Yeah. So if you look at the table on page 261, mm-hmm. you can see that uh, Jeff made a conversion of look sorts to say if you're graded as a anywhere from an 80 down to a 45 prospect, you this is the war and the surplus war that you can be expected to provide if you're traded. No, oh, look at that. <clears throat> so, he really did it. Yeah. He, the, Jeff has been working on this more or less forever. Uh, <laughs> roughly, roughly, roughly forever. Roughly forever. Yeah. And, 
it was a it was a lot of work and that that right there is the key table but there's a lot of other fun information in the piece as well um and it's it's something that we're looking forward to breaking out as uh as trades start happening you know involving prospects like the um like we could have broken it out for the uh for the Kimbrel trade but the uh, the book wasn't out yet so um, but now, uh, moving forward. Moving forward, yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, you know, I think he, as he gets more data as well, like this will become an even, an even better tool. Cause, you know, we, we didn't, he based it off of Kylie's data and off of Baseball America data. Um, but they, both, both sites or both entities haven't, well, A, we didn't have a lot of Kylie's data, period, cause he was only with us for a year and a half. Um, but Baseball America has only been listing the grades for the prospects um, for a few years. Um, so even though, like, you know, they go back to the 80s with the rankings, they didn't always put a specific number grade to each player. Right. So as we go forward and get, you know, another year's worth of of prospect grades, because now, now both Fangraphs and Baseball America are doing this um, each year, uh, it'll become, you know, we'll get an even tighter data set. Well, that's uh, something to look forward to, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's a really cool piece. Would you say the, the excitement is palpable? I would. Yeah. Yes. That's yeah. what I was thinking I would say it as well. Yeah, especially because these lists come out in such a staggered fashion, you know. Right. Is this a sort of book that you think you're going to keep on the commode, Paul Swyden? Um. I'm I'm personally not just because I've read it already three times myself. Oh yeah, that's right. You have a pretty good experience. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if if I hadn't read it, yes, absolutely. That's because good. you know what we try to do with it um, is is try to make it as timeless as possible. We don't want you to have to purchase it in November and read it all in November or in December, uh, since we're now in December. You know what I mean? Like we want you to be able to read this over a wide range of time and have it still hold up. Yeah. Um, so we don't, you know, like it's not very season preview-ish. And, um, you know, we, we have a 60 or so pages on last season, but we try to we try to do it in a unique enough way that it's something you haven't read before. Right. Well, uh, I from what I've heard, it likely accomplishes that fact. I, uh, I'm a biased. I'm biased. Um, but, uh, you know. Still excited. Yeah. Still excited for reading it. Yeah. It's um, it's very exciting finishing the book, I have to say. Yeah. Yes. I bet it is for you <laughs> uh, on account of uh, the effort that you put into it and the, uh, the, the, the number of writers, the sheer volume of writers with which you have to deal. Yeah. Logistically, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a long exercise. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for uh, talking with me about it. Absolutely. Paul Swyden. You had anything else to add? You think everything went all right? I I hope you're enjoying a great start to your holiday season. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I am. All right. Let's uh, stick around for a second, but I will say goodbye to you uh, now. Okay. All right. Thank you, Paul Swyden. Thank you, Paul Swyden. Are you going to stick around for a second? (laughs) Yeah. All right. That has been Paul Swyden. What are you? You're the editor-in-chief of Hardball Times. Does that sound fair? Sure. Sure. Editor-in-chief of Hardball Times. I'm Carson Sestouli. This has been Fangraphs Audio. Mm-hmm.